Welcome to the Red Words Podcast, where we pursue a personal relationship with God the Father and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Join us weekly as we deep dive into the dynamic and oftentimes curious Holy Spirit-inspired book of God's Word. Revelation chapter 7 takes a small break in the narrative to answer the question asked at the end of Revelation chapter 6, who is able to survive? The response reveals two people groups that God separates out of the tribulation, but only the first group survives the entire time period. Some background information is useful here, and we turn to Matthew 24, where Jesus is speaking to his disciples about the end times. He tells them about liars who claim to be God and how they deceive many people. Then he talks about wars and famines and diseases and how people betray one another and how believers will be hated by everyone. Jesus tells his students that during this horrific period, people around the world will deliver believers up to tribulation and kill them. Let's stop there and examine how many of these things have already happened or are currently happening. Are there people claiming to be the Lord Jesus Christ, and do huge groups of people believe them? Are there wars between nations today, famines, pestilence, and diseases affecting many people? Would you say betrayal is commonplace in our world? In our modern society, are believers hated by everyone? And if they are, are they being delivered up to their governments to be killed? Keep these things in mind as we continue through Revelation, because these are timeline signs that help us determine when events occur. And we already know that the tribulation begins when Antichrist presents a peace treaty to Israel, and the entire world accepts it. Immediately thereafter, massive wars break out, along with super-high inflation, food shortages, worldwide famine, pestilence, disease, biological warfare, and subsequently millions of deaths. All of this occurs during the first three and a half years. Then Jesus goes on to explain to his disciples the event that triggers the second and final three and a half years, the Great Tribulation. There will be an abomination of desolation within the Holy of Holies in the temple in Jerusalem. The entire world will witness this event, and it sets off another series of events so catastrophic that many more millions of people die. So now we have the two events that kick off the seven-year period and the last three and a half years of that whole time frame. So back to the question, who is able to survive? In the last podcast, we learned about the earthly battle that will rage between good and evil, and we learned about the participants on both sides. After Antichrist brings the peace treaty, he spends the first three and a half years of the tribulation building his world dominance. During that time, he organizes the world's banking, media, commerce, political, technologies, militaries, religions, and many other things under his control. Antichrist gathers followers from across the globe and then trains and outfits them as his personal army, and they obey him without question. Scripture calls Antichrist's many followers the dwellers of earth, or earth dwellers. These people play a major role throughout Revelation. 
opposite Antichrist's efforts, God is also preparing people here on earth. And we learn about these men. But first, we witness God organizing his angels up in heaven. Here is Revelation chapter 7, verses 1 through 3. Then I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds, so they did not blow on the earth or the sea or even on any tree. And I saw another angel coming up from the east, carrying the seal of the living God. And he shouted to those four angels who had been given power to harm land and sea, Wait! Don't harm the land or the sea or the trees until we have placed the seal of God on the foreheads of his servants. God sends four angels to the four quadrants of earth, north, south, east, and west, with instructions to hold back the wind inside their quadrants. But why are these angels to hold back the wind? We find the answer in the Old Testament book of Joshua, which strongly parallels the book of Revelation. When Moses died, God chose Joshua to lead Israel into the promised land. The name Joshua is ancient Hebrew for Yahshua. In Latin, Yahshua is translated as Jesus. Joshua represents the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. And as Israel's military commander, Joshua leads a seven-year campaign against the kings of the promised land. Interestingly, these kings rose to power illegally, just as Antichrist does. So, when Joshua prepares to battle the city of Jericho, he secretly sends two observers into the city. These two men from the Old Testament parallel two New Testament witnesses who appear during the early days of the tribulation. God sends these men to preach at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, and they do so non-stop, until the middle of the seven-year period. They teach the world about God and His greatness and faithfulness and all of His many promises, especially pertaining to His Son. Apparently, their preaching upsets Antichrist to the point that he attempts to have the witnesses killed. Each time an attempt on their lives is made, the perpetrators are burned to death by fire the two witnesses call down from heaven. When attempts upon their lives escalate, God gives the two witnesses authority to halt reign across the entire earth, and they declare this for three and a half years. In physics, the hydrologic cycle of oceanic evaporation, condensation, transport, and precipitation causes rain across the earth. Without wind to transport condensation, there is no precipitation. Without rain, Plants and crops wither. The earth turns a dull brown color. Water supplies dwindle down to nothing, and during the tribulation, water becomes a rare and valuable commodity. And of course, without rain, trees die. Now, back to verses 1 through 3. A fifth angel rises out of the east, carrying the seal of the living God. And the living God is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the angel seals the foreheads of the Lord's servants. Okay, so what is the seal and who are these servants? First, the seal. Four New Testament verses describe people being sealed by God. 
The first passage is John 6:27, where Jesus speaks about the eternal life a believer should seek from him, because God gave Jesus his seal of approval. And in John 6:28, Jesus tells us that all God wants is for people to believe in his Son, and if they do, they will be sealed. The next scripture is 2 Timothy 2, 19 talks about people who turn away after being taught the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. Turning away is their choice, but those who remain in Jesus understand that God's truth about his Son stands firm like a foundation stone with an inscription that reads, The Lord knows who belongs to him, and they have God's seal upon them, and the Lord knows who they are, and he claims them as his. Believers are Jesus' beloved They are his possession. And the third scripture is today's verse, Revelation 7, 3, where the angel from the east seals the foreheads of God's servants. And the last scripture is Revelation 9, verse 4, and it talks about the harm that befalls anyone who does not have the seal of the living God upon them. In the Greek, a seal is a stamp which makes a mark, indicating something that is private secret, protected, or owned. Many ancient cultures used wax seals and signet rings to close a private document the way we use an envelope to seal mail. Seals protect contents, but ancient civilizations also used a seal to show ownership of property, thus permanently marking the recipient forever. And Revelation 14.1 tells us that the seal of God marks the bearer with God the Father's name and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So who can receive God's seal? 1 Thessalonians 5.9 and Revelation 3.10 state that anyone living during the tribulation who chooses the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior is sealed and kept from suffering the wrath of God and the wrath of the Lamb. And the Lamb is the Lord Jesus Christ. During the tribulation, two marks will be used. The first is this living seal of God that marks the foreheads of believers with the Lord's name and with God the Father's name. This seal will only be seen by fellow believers, and the only location where it is placed is on the forehead. The second mark is not a seal, nor does it contain a name. It is the mark of Satan, and it is his specific identification number, which is 666. This mark will be visible to everyone and will be administered to the forehand or the right hand of anyone who chooses to accept it. Anyone who takes Satan's mark upon their bodies can buy and sell during the tribulation. Anyone who takes Satan's mark upon their bodies will never be able to experience God's salvation. Those who refuse this mark during the tribulation will not be able to buy or sell. But anyone who refuses this mark and accepts the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior is saved forever. Antichrist's armies hunt these people down and kill them. So, while God's sealed tribulation believers will be divinely protected from the events of wrath from God and His Son, many will be martyred by Antichrist and his earth-dweller armies. These tribulation believers will be martyred 
but they will live eternally with God forever. And now, who are these God-chosen servants? Revelation chapter 7, verses 4 through 8 explains, And I heard how many were marked with the seal of God. One hundred and forty-four thousand were sealed from all the tribes of Israel, from Judah, twelve thousand, from Reuben, twelve thousand, from Gad, twelve thousand, from Asher, twelve thousand, from Nephtali, twelve thousand, from Manasseh, twelve thousand, from Simeon, twelve thousand, from Levi, twelve thousand, from Issachar, twelve thousand, from Zebulun, twelve thousand, from Joseph, twelve thousand, from Benjamin, 12,000. Note that Jesus marks these 144,000 Israeli men with his father's name and his name. He separates them from other Israelis as his own personal possession. And then the Lord protects these men in such a way that they survive the entire tribulation. But why? Because they are his servants and Jesus tasks these men to go throughout the world and teach the gospel of the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior, who offers everlasting salvation to anyone who chooses him. This group of Israelis generates another group that comes out of the tribulation. This second group comes from every place on earth and they too are sealed and marked as Jesus' possessions. After hearing the good news, and in their new-found salvation, this multitude refuses to take Satan's mark. Their refusal leads them to being hunted like animals and slaughtered by the millions. But we learn about the wonderful things that God gives to this second group. Revelation chapter 7 verses 9 through 15 tells us about the multitudes. After this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings. And they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and worshipped God. They sang, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the twenty-four elders asked me, Who are these who are clothed in white? Where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you are the one who knows. And he said to me, These are the ones who died in the great tribulation. They have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb and made them white. That is why they stand in front of God's throne and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will give them shelter. This multitude flows into the throne room of heaven clothed in white robes and waving palm branches. In their happiness and jubilation, they shout their universal thanksgiving because they received salvation from the 144,000 Israeli men sent by the Lord God and His Son. 
This vast crowd is remarkably similar to the crowds who welcomed the Lord Jesus Christ into Jerusalem as he rode a donkey colt into the city 2,000 years ago. They too waved palm branches and cried, Salvation! Salvation! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! These Jews did and said very similar things. Except the people waving palm branches in Jerusalem were Hebrews, while the heavenly multitude that came out from the tribulation come from every nation and tribe and people and language throughout the world. It is interesting to note several other differences about this heavenly multitude that comes out of the tribulation. If we contrast them with God's raptured church, we see that God's church wears crowns while this multitude does not. God's church carries harps. This multitude carries palm branches. God's church is kept from experiencing the tribulation while this multitude experiences horrific things. God's church sits on thrones while this multitude stands in front of the thrones. God's church rules and reigns with King Jesus. This multitude will serve King Jesus in his millennial kingdom temple. What a high and glorious honor that will be. And lastly, John recognizes the members of God's church, but he does not recognize this multitude. For God's church is Jesus' inheritance from God the Father. While this multitude receives salvation from both God the Father and the Son, Interestingly, this multitude does not complain about the suffering they experienced during the tribulation, but they do shout their appreciation because their deaths equal eternal life with God and His Son forever, and their white robes washed clean indicates that ultimately they will receive the same privileges as God's church. They are so thankful that they will not ever suffer again, as we learn in verses 16 and 17. They will never again be hungry or thirsty. They will never be scorched by the heat of the sun. For the Lamb on the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of life-giving water. And God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Revelation chapter 7 reveals that during the tribulation, God's beloved people will die horrible deaths because of Antichrist and his earth dwellers. But it is so comforting to know that before this occurs, God holds back his angels so that this special group of Israeli men can be sealed. It is comforting that these men go throughout earth and teach and reach millions. And it is comforting to know that after martyrdom, Jesus keeps this multitude close to him and loves them so completely and thoroughly that he wipes away their every hurt and pain forever. But Revelation chapter 7 also reveals something else. During the tribulation, people will also die because of events brought forth by the wrath of God through his angels. We will soon see that these events escalate rapidly. What is vitally important to understand here is that during the tribulation, as more and more innocent people die because of evil committed by sinners, by earth dwellers, by Satan, and by Antichrist, 
God will escalate his wrath to punish these monsters who cause these deaths to his beloved. You see, God understands that at any time, until a person takes the mark of Satan, any person on earth can stop what they're doing and choose his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as their savior. These people can be saved. However, if they persist in harming God's beloved, God will not stand for it. His Son will not stand for it. And they warn repeatedly throughout Scripture not to harm those whom they love. Isaiah 13.9 states, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, cruel with fury and burning anger, to make the land a desolation, and he will exterminate its sinners from it. Do you think that these three years of drought will cause the earth to be so dry, so brown, that it will be desolate? Micah 5.15 says, I will execute vengeance in anger and wrath on the nations which have not obeyed. In the upcoming episode in Revelation chapter 8, we will see God's vengeance and wrath begin in earnest. Colossians 3.6 says, For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. Satan, Antichrist, the false prophet, and every earth dweller are the sons of disobedience, and they are going against God's goodness. Therefore, they will experience his everlasting wrath. Romans 2.5 says this, Sinner, because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. And finally, from Zephaniah, a prophecy concerning the book of Revelation. Zephaniah 1.15 says, a day of wrath is that day, a day of trouble and distress, a day of destruction and desolation, a day of thick darkness and gloom. Listen and know and understand. In the end times, it will not bode well for liars or people who claim to be God or deceivers, betrayers, earth dwellers, and those who murder God's beloved people. Because God sent his son to bear the sins of mankind and purchase everyone back from Satan's ownership. The Lord Jesus Christ did this once and for all. And the only thing needed to be covered in his salvation is to choose him. And so, I pray, dear friends, that you will take heed of the Holy Spirit-inspired word of God today and seek a deeper personal relationship with him. Thank you for joining me and know that the Lord Jesus Christ loves you so very much. And so do we. Until next week, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen and amen.